1: And I'm Nadira Goff, and you're listening to ICYMI, In Case You Missed It, Slate's podcast about internet culture.
2: And we've got a rare Nadira double feature. Nadira, welcome back. Hey, hey, hey. So, I have a question for you, and it has nothing to do with the episode we're about to record. Okay. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> So, on our last episode about the Tar F1 brouhaha, you mentioned at the top of the show that you were reading Jonas Brothers fan fiction on YouTube. And honestly, this has haunted me since you told me about it. So, now I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to please... Please, please share some of these YouTube Jonas Brothers fan fiction with us, please. Okay, so
1: if you'll remember from the last episode, I said something to the effect of my memory is horrible, which is true. So I can't remember the specific ones that I was reading, and I'm unsure if they would still even be up on YouTube. So I can't find them. But basically, fans would use the video creator One True Media I don't know if you remember, Talk About a Walk Down Memory Lane, One True Media, Mm -hmm. was that girl of making videos. So they would use One True Media to make these videos with photos of the Jonas Brothers set to their music. And in the description box would be the text for the fanfic. And these videos would sometimes also have like a fan cast of the roles in it as well. And then sometimes the videos themselves would be the fanfic. So it would be like text over a plain background that would basically play the dialogue of the episode or chapter Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And some of them would be spicy stories. Some of them would be innocent. I think I really liked the ones that were about the Jonas Brothers still being celebrities in that world, but they fell in love with a regular girl or fan for quite obvious reasons.
2: <laughs> Who could guess why you were interested in that? <laughs> I mean,
1: so you can still find some on YouTube. None of them that I
2: quickly chose rang a bell with me, but they are still in the oof. They are on the genre. Yes, mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I gotta say, as a former One Direction girlie, I know exactly the kind of thick you're talking about i feel like this is a hot take but i feel like camp rock was basically that thick but it was a disney channel original movie that's not a hot take at all that's just factual that's why it's good this is real this is me i'm exactly where i'm
1: supposed to be except not because where the jonas like if i was exactly where i was supposed to be then the (laughs) jonas would be here and i would be married to one of them but instead the girl from game (laughs) of thrones i don't want to talk about it
2: okay well unfortunately we can talk about it yes. <laughs> because we have a show to do, though. Who knows? Maybe we'll have you back to do an episode on One True Media at some point because I'm really reliving Pon and Z cartoons overlaid to a pop punk song. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but today's episode isn't just an Adira double feature. It's Nadir a sequel. Ooh. She's got her own cinematic universe. The NCU. Ooh. (laughs) I like that. Got a nice ring to it. (laughs) Last year in August, Nadir and I did an episode on The Clean Girl, Soft Life, Old Money Trends. It was a great episode. We were very exasperated, but neither of us could have anticipated the next evolution of this trend. The Quiet Luxury Movement. Mm. It's a movement. It's a lifestyle. It's taken over TikTok. It's been written about in the Washington Post, Refinery29, Fortune, Harper's Bazaar, and Time. And sure, you could read all those pieces. Or you could sit back and listen to me and Adira dive deep into the many, many, many problems with the quiet luxury movement and how it's fundamentally built on a racist and classist fallacy. Plus, succession. All of that and more after a quick break. And we're back with Quiet Luxury. Now, if you're a ride or die ICYMI fan, you might be thinking, I've heard this before. And you're right. As I said before the break, we already did an episode talking about clean girl, soft life, and old money trends on TikTok. The latter, old money, is, you could say, the spiritual predecessor of Quiet Luxury. And because we on the show like to work smarter and not harder, we're just going to play a bit of that episode to explain the context of the old money trend. So old money is pretty much exactly what it sounds like, which is regular degular people who don't have generational wealth trying to achieve the look of somebody who does. So think like Jackie O, Princess Diana, the Vanderbilts, the Gettys, basically like succession chic. Okay, so this
1: one is actually a little rough for me because I'm a Gatsby girly, like... What can I say, old sport? You know, oh my
2: God, bitch, not you chasing the green light.
1: <laughs> Listen, you know, i just be staring at it across the water, whatever. I read the book. Anyway, <laughs> like the millennial I am, I loved Lindsay Lohan's The Parent Trap. And I think that both Natasha Richardson's sort of British heiress aesthetic and Elaine Hendricks's sort of hot trophy wife aesthetic were very good. But that's kind of all this trend is, either or, or some fluctuation between the two.
2: And I get it, okay? I've been trying to dress like Chessie since I was but a small child. And the 1998 parent trap is such a good example of this because while the aesthetic is old money, that is literally the name of it, it's a very modern version of old money. It's got kind of clean, sharp lines, simple patterns are known at all, base colors, linens, wools, and cottons, no polyester in this household. And very simple, mostly gold jewelry. Gatsby is also a phenomenal reference, not least because a lot of the old money videos use that Lana Del Rey song, Young and Beautiful, which is a banger, not gonna lie. If you go into the old money tag, which currently has 1.7 billion views on TikTok, you'll see videos like this one from Angela Mariano on how to achieve the aesthetic if you don't come from, you know, Rockefeller money.
0: Now, new money is very label-heavy and trendy, while old money is all about high-quality items that will never go out of style. Ugh. Okay, how do we dress like old millionaires? chanel inspired tweed sets, headbands, sheer tights and You'll loafers. You'll also get
1: videos with recommendations for how to spend your time like you have old money. You know, playing tennis, watching polo matches, attending charity events... Regular shit. (laughs) What fashion brands people with old money wear, like Ralph Lauren and Hermes. You know, totally in my closet. Mm -hmm. And even what the old money class names their boys. Think William, Henry, Thomas, Charles. Basically, if multiple English monarchs had the name, then it's old money.
2: Which I think brings us to the big, bright red, neon red flag here. I thought we were supposed to be eating the rich, not... Dressing like them. Like, on some level, I will say this reads to me as a direct response to fast fashion. Generously, I think people are starting to feel a bit squeaky about how bad fast fashion is. But the old money trend seems to also have no regard for the issues present in actual days of old money and the sort of exploitation that was occurring then and still is to this day. So, what are we doing here? I mean, that part. Like, do you
1: know how many impoverished POC had to be overworked and exploited to get the fabrics and dyes that you're hailing as the ultimate aesthetic? Like, luxury fashion is not exempt from the larger issues of the industry. But it's not only exploitative, it's extremely exclusionary, too— The original old money aesthetic was all white, all thin and all able-bodied because how else could you play polo and go to a yacht club? It was also quite European, which has its own history and exploitation, especially when connected with America's history. But these were the uber rich people.
2: Yeah, I mean, colonialism, babes what's happening in this aesthetic. It's funny because in all the TikToks that are giving um, reference or inspiration points, everyone in those photos is white. And you're just like, um, should we be basing our style or personality on the descendants of robber barons or colonialist or imperialist? (sighs) We were so young then.
1: (laughs) Honestly, listening back to that, I'd like to say not only
2: are we geniuses, but we're hilarious. SNL, we're available. Okay. Honestly, so true, clean. I will say, though, unfortunately, we were wrong about some things. Or at least I was. I'm not going to put you in that. I foolishly thought that the old money trend might mean that the culture was shifting away from fast fashion. Only for my FYP in the last year to be full of people who are basically Amazon influencers, Dark times, we're in dark, dark times. But the one thing I did say in the episode was, quote, but the moment middle-class people start spouting bullshit like money talks, wealth whispers, which is this gross chiding of ostentatious fashion, well, that's the moment I start pulling out my tiny miniature guillotine. And let me say it's time to chop some heads because the bitches are back at it again. Old money is back, if it ever left, and is now being largely described as stealth wealth. Or quiet luxury. It never left.
1: It hasn't (laughs) left since the concept of wealth even began, which, spoiler alert, means that the dark underbelly of old money and quiet luxury is the same since the concept of wealth ever began. And wealth began with the exploitation and oppression of
2: other human beings. So there's that. There's that. That's basically it, except it's not. The quiet luxury hashtag on TikTok currently has over 87 million views. It's still not quite as popular as the old money aesthetic whose hashtag old money had 1.7 billion views last August and currently has 5.7 billion views while the hashtag old money aesthetic has 2.5 2.5 billion views. The quiet luxury hashtag is full of videos like this one from fashion influencer and expert Charles Gross. Why
5: do the uber wealthy wear extremely expensive clothing that no one can recognize? Let's talk about it. Coded luxury, quiet luxury is a huge trend, though it's always existed, and I've talked about it a lot. I recently spoke about it to see our fashion book for an article, and I've been published a bunch talking about coded luxury. But let's unpack it. Loud luxury, logos, brands, conspicuous... Spending. A shirt or a bag that says, I spent a lot of money. Quiet luxury. Pieces that, to the naked eye, don't seem luxury at all. They could be a dollar, they could be a million dollars. Only those who are wearing them and those who really scrutinize them know they're quiet luxury or luxury at all. The uber wealthy often have closets full of quiet luxury because that's just their normal. While expensive to many, it's normal for them. Take Succession's fictional family. Loro Piana is their H&M. That's not my tax bracket. I'd rather see quiet luxury as intentional.
2: Or this one from Liz Teich, another fashion influencer.
0: Want to look expensive? The trick to this is not that you have to spend a lot of money, but it's called quiet luxury. The reason why some people look really rich is because they invest in quality basics. People with quiet luxury wear tailored pieces often in monochromatic tones and they certainly don't flaunt logos.
2: Or this one from Ivanka Deconi.
4: Everyone's talking about quiet luxury, thanks to a little help from Succession. However, as a former luxury buyer who bought quiet luxury for 10 years, quiet luxury is not a trend. In fact, quiet luxury consumers don't follow trends. So sit back, I got a lot to say that no one's talking about on TikTok. So what is quiet luxury? According to Google, it's an attitude which knows the value of a product, recognizes its quality and technical finesse. Also, it can't be quickly identified as luxury from a quick glance. Folks are sharing looks from Miu Miu, Bottega, and Victoria Beckham. However, I would not consider this quiet luxury. Quiet luxury are brands like Brunello Cuccinelli, Acris, and Laura Piani. Some of you fashionistas may not know these brands because their marketing campaigns aren't extravagant. You don't see these brands on the red carpet, and you may not recognize celebrities wearing these clothes because they don't flaunt a logo or brand. And let's be honest, It's not that eye-catching, so if you see it in a store window, you're not going to stop and look. Let me tell you from a buyer's perspective, stuff like this, it doesn't sell. Runway items that cost a gajillion dollars, no one's casually walking into a store and buying this off the rack. So those brands that you see all over the runways, are marketed everywhere, the Kardashians are wearing them, you may go into a store and realize it's nowhere to be found. Because this shit doesn't sell. Not to the luxury consumer who has a million dollars of passive income to spend on clothing. Because these customers don't need to flaunt their wealth. They're buying this French terry dress with absolutely nothing on it. So basic for almost $2,600. And you may not even recognize these brands because in the stores, they're like located in the far back next to private dressing rooms. Yeah, I'm sorry, these luxury consumers are not in a basic sitting room like everybody else. This is how quiet luxury consumers shop. These folks are not shopping off the rack. They have their own personal shoppers who provide the newest line for them while they sip on champagne and eat fresh berries. And when they're ready to buy, they don't go check out. They just sip their champagne and sign the receipt with their credit card on file. And you know what? Shit like this are always the number one seller, the number one brands in stores. These customers are the reason why our luxury retailers are still open. This is so
1: fucking stupid.
4: <laughs> this is so
1: fucking stupid, particularly that last one. And while it's stupid for many reasons, I'll give you four. Oh. First, it's very important to note that rich people actually dress all kinds of ways like I don't know if any of you have even been around a lot of rich people old money new money whatever but they dress how they want to dress and sometimes it's flamboyant and colorful and printed patterns out the wazoo and sometimes it's not branded shit exists because people still buy it or else the designers would stop making it and there are not enough people Pretending to be rich to support an entire brand still making a particular style of clothing.
2: I love how incensed you are, but also this makes me wonder how much time any of these people have actually spent around rich people, which is low key a common trend on TikTok. There was this viral video the other day. I'm sorry to digress, but it was like, jobs you should have to meet a rich husband, and the jobs. Weren't like a lawyer or something like that. It was a private school teacher. Or a waitress at a Michelin star restaurant. And as a girlie who unfortunately spent a large amount of time around rich people in college and has the requisite trauma to show for it, all I can say is that you're in for a rude ass awakening if you actually think you will pull a rich husband as what is functionally the help. Like, this is not Cinderella, baby girl, though you might be able to get a free bag out of it. It's your choice as to whether or not it has a logo on it. The nanny is picking
1: up the kid. The helper is picking up the meal. And if the rich couple is present, they are not paying attention to you, boo-boo, as a waitress. These content creators, for sure, have not spent a lot of time around rich people. They're only using references for wealth from pop culture and entertainment, which are, say it with me, orchestrated.
2: Enter the quiet, luxurious favorite show, Succession. So many of the people who are aspiring to quiet luxury reference HBO Succession as their style inspiration. And as a recent Succession girly, like a recent convert, I am a zealot. I get it. Shiv not only has that cake, but dresses mm-hmm. it immaculately. I immediately clocked that the baseball hats that Kendall and Logan wear are far above the quality of the one I'm wearing right now. And do I maybe want one?
1: Yes. If you're thinking, well, Succession has been on for a couple of years now, so what gives? There was a scene on this latest season in which a smaller character is made fun of for bringing an ostentatious bag to a party. You might have seen the scene or read the dialogue because it became a very widespread meme.
5: So I hear you've made an enormous faux pas and everyone's laughing up their sleeves about your date. What? Why? Why? Because she's brought a ludicrously capacious bag. What? What's even in there? Huh? Flat shoes for the subway? Or lunch pail? I mean, Greg, it's monstrous. It's gargantuan. You could take it camping. You could slide it across the floor after a bank job.
2: I haven't even seen this episode yet because I'm behind, and I already know the phrase "ludicrously capacious." It's running in my head, and it's supposed to illustrate the difference between the nouveau riche who love to stack Gucci on top of Prada on top of Louboutin, versus this idea of stealth wealth, which is beautiful tailoring, no patterns, no visible logos, but. The thing is, the use of the Roys as style and Spo for quiet luxury is funny for a lot of reasons. First, the Roys are nouveau riche. Logan is an upstart who recently built an empire that his heirs are desperate to maintain. That is literally the crux of the entire show. The real difference between new and old money isn't the Roys and the character with the capacious bag. It's between the Roys and the Pierce family in the second season. And that is visible in the way that they dress. Yes, the Pierce's are very academic chic. There's this ostentatious display of casualness. Think of the way that a Harvard professor dresses, a little rumpled, a little careworn. But the real difference is mostly in the way that they act. One of the Pierce sons is doing a second PhD in Africana Studies, which is... Tells you everything
1: you need to know about those characters, honestly.
2: I can't describe the face that I'm making, but it's it says so much. The other is a fellow at the Brookings Institute. And that's because the Pierce family is generationally wealthy. Like, that money is long. They don't need to grasp for power because they were born into it. Meanwhile, the Roy family has to strive and grasp for everything that they have. And it's
1: not just us saying this because we're annoyed. Though, let it be clear, we are. (laughs) This stems from a fundamental misunderstanding of the show. Even the costume designer for Succession straight up said that the Roy family is dressed to stick out. I'm going to read a bit from a Washington Post piece that the designer, Michelle Matland, is interviewed in. The idea that the weak-willed scion of succession is a figure whose wardrobe is worthy of emulation is an amusing realization to Michelle Matlin, the costume designer for the HBO drama that tracks corporate and familial ladder climbing of the fictional Roy dynasty. After all, Kendall's fashion choices, like a pair of pricey Lululemon sneakers, purchased to impress the founders of an art startup, or the enormous Rashid Johnson pendant he dons like a talisman of virtue signaling, are used to relay his cluelessness and insecurities. These are costumes, not fashion, says Matland. And so it's very interesting that they become fashion. In other words, Kendall's clothes are not meant to be aspirational, but rather tell us how desperately he's trying to belong. Anyone who is watching this show and thinks that the Roy's A, like themselves, and B, are worth emulating needs to go back and re-watch. The whole point of the show is that none of them know who they are, and they are all trying to be somebody they're not to gain someone else's
2: approval. They are all, quite literally, posers. What's funny to me, I mean, all this is funny to me, but what's really funny to me is that when Matlin. The costume designer is asked in this piece, if she would wear what Kendall Roy wears, if she was rich, she immediately says no. Because she is a person who understands fashion and understands what all of these choices are signaling. And she's like, this isn't fashion. I'm signaling something to you. And what I'm signaling, you shouldn't want to emulate.
1: Which brings me to point two. I'm willing to bet that most rich people who dress minimally don't do it because they have a societal vendetta against showing their wealth. They do it because they like minimalism? Like, these are the same people that wear Rolexes and drive Bentleys. If they're not showing it in
2: their clothes, they're going to show it another way. Yeah, there's this perfect video in the quiet luxury tag that demonstrates the point you're making. It comes from at Julian philosophy.
6: Okay, clear sign that somebody has money. I was reading about this um, from like a yacht convention where the salespeople are trained to spot who can actually afford a yacht, a clear sign that somebody has money is that they don't look like they have money. In other words, they don't wear expensive suits or expensive watches. Because one of the things that rich people know is that the best way to lose your money is to spend it on luxury goods. That the commodities that are designed to signify wealth are actually the things that will make you less wealthy that to all intents and purposes, a lot of rich people walk around as if they were poor with that kind of a mindset. They don't buy into fashion. They don't buy something expensive just to show that they can because they're investing their money. They're safeguarding their wealth. Now, of course, you could argue that the ultimate waste of money is a yacht, right? A yacht is something that immediately depreciates in value that has no real purpose other than being the most expensive thing you can buy after a jet. And yet the salespeople knew exactly that the people who were there just to be seen looking at yachts were the people who dressed up to the nines and that the people who could actually afford a yacht were the people who were dressed down, who weren't dressing to impress because they were there to buy a yacht, which is much more impressive than an expensive suit. Anyway, this all goes to say that there's this weird paradox by which a sign of the rich and a sign of being wealthy is precisely that they look and act poor. And I think that's interesting.
2: This man, (laughs) that deep ancestral sigh.
1: (laughs) This man is trying to make a point that wealthy people know that buying luxury goods is how they lose their money so they don't dress ostentatiously. By using a scenario of people buying yachts with the conclusion that the people who can actually afford a yacht won't dress like they can afford a yacht. He literally talks about a rich person buying a yacht and is like, quote, I know what you're thinking. The ultimate waste of money is a yacht, but... Sir, there are no buts. There are no buts. That is the sentence.
2: (laughs) There's this deep desire to understand and mimic the way that rich people live their lives because we're all diseased, but because Americans have this idea that if someone is rich, it's because they deserve to be, rather than what's actually true, which is that wealth is deeply inequitable and usually built on some form of exploitation. There's this really pervasive idea that rich people got rich because they're smarter than the rest of us. This is why Elon Musk is running Twitter now. And I am really stunned that people still have this idea after watching Succession because if Succession to teach you anything is that rich people are just as stupid as the rest of us? A yacht, much like a car, depreciates the moment you buy it. Some might say that the better investment is a fancy bag which tend to appreciate value as they become vintage. The real quiet part of quiet luxury is actually an inversion to ostentatiousness, and that aversion is <clears throat> pretty racist and very
1: classist. Before we even move on to the racism and classism, which is, I can't believe I'm starting the paragraph that way. <laughs> Let's just be clear here. This makes no fucking sense. (laughs) This makes no fucking sense. Because in order for this to be true, the scenario would require that these rich people buy cheap clothes, not quiet luxury clothes. Like whether or not you're buying ostentatious luxury goods or quiet luxury goods, you're still buying luxury goods. So as you were saying, this has nothing to do with wasting your money.
2: You're spending the same amount of money. It's just how ostentatious you want to be. Spending the same amount, if not more? But the thing is, Nadira, I'm sorry. You're making too much sense. We have to move on. But first, we've got to take a short break. When we come back, we've got, you guessed it, racism and classism. And also, Nadira's other two points, because this is the NCU.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
2: Hi, y'all. If you love our podcast, then please consider subscribing to Slate Plus. When you subscribe to Slate Plus, you get no ads on any Slate podcasts, including this one, your favorite one, I see mine. This show would not be possible without the support of Slate Plus subscribers. When you subscribe to Slate Plus, you also get bonus segments or episodes on shows like the upcoming new season of Slowburn, on Dear Prudence, on Mom and Dad are fighting, maybe someday on ICYMI. Who knows? You'll have to subscribe to find out. You'll also get unlimited reading on the Slate website, which means you get access to every single article and advice column on Slate without ever hitting the paywall. Just visit slate.com slash ICYMI plus to sign up. That is slate.com slash ICYMI plus. And we're back with Nadir's third point. And also racism. And also classism. What's your third point, Nadir? Well, now that the pitch of my voice has dropped back down to a respectable level,
1: (laughs) (laughs) my third point is that... This is a continuation of what we were saying before the break. This entire trend isn't about luxury as much as it's about minimalism and style preferences. Just like anything in life, you can get minimalist clothing from Uniqlo or H&M or Laura Piana at a price increase. The same way you can get loud prints from Gucci and, like, Forever 21. We can have a conversation about quality here, but I'm not sure we can have a simple,
2: solitary conversation about style referencing wealth. I mean, just to drive your point home, one of the comments on the video from Ivanka, the one that sent you into a deep rage spiral... One of those comments said something along the lines of Uniqlo's been really good at making quiet luxury, which um, really translates to Uniqlo's really good at making basics, which they are. Labor rights? Not so much. My vendetta against Uniqlo, in addition to
1: the shaky labor rights, is that all of their clothes are made for androgynous bodies and shorter-legged people, but that's for another day.
2: Okay, it's also for today because as a shorter-legged person, they're not even made for me. I mm. I tried on a romper recently, and it was the worst sack of clothing I've ever put on my body. But I digress. This brings us to my ultimate point. Truly, the only, only possible reason that quiet luxury could have an iota of credibility is that it should theoretically encourage people to consume less and invest in sustainably, ethically, and well-made clothing. A lot of the designers that get floated as quiet luxury, Brunella Cuccinelli, Laura Piana, and Leroux, they have pretty good manufacturing models. But that's not actually what the conversation is about. It's not an anti-fast fashion conversation. And I know this, because TikTok continues to TikTok. And what's happening here is that quiet luxury has been distilled down not into a way of making clothes, not into a way of making clothes last longer when you have them, but into a way of looking, which means that there are so, so, so many videos that are basically saying you don't have to spend a lot of money to dress in quiet luxury, which negates The entire idea of quiet luxury. How can you say you don't need to spend money to dress in quiet luxury when the point is that the items are luxury? I don't understand.
1: It's not just quiet luxury that is distilled down to a fast fashion replicable formula. It's luxury in general, which is to say many things, a phrase I feel like we've said many times. (laughs) (laughs) One, if your movement is about sustainability then maybe make that the focus, like maybe leave with that, like maybe say it with your chest. And second, like most things that start with exploiting oppressed people, it returns to exploiting oppressed people. TikToker at TenekAB points out that when we talk about the groups of wealthy people we want to emulate, we're almost always talking about Western white families that have made their fortunes on plantations and endangering people of color. I hate people who get on this app and romanticize old money, especially as a fashion aesthetic. What's old money? They're almost never talking about like ancient Egypt. They're almost never talking about the billionaires in Nigeria. They're almost never talking about the Benin Empire. They're almost always talking about northeastern white families. It's giving plantation money. It's giving very blood diamonds.
2: Also, that's a great point, but I'm still stuck on how none of this makes sense. (laughs) You and me both. Uh, so many of the people that are pointed to as quiet luxury icons, like Sophia Ritchie, for example, very much still wear clothes with logos. Also, people think Sophia Richie is this symbol of marrying up. Hey, Miss Ma'am is heir to a dynasty. Her mm. money is long. Also, Miss Ma'am was just spotted on a yacht wearing a cute little pink Chanel romper with the Chanel logo all over it. Like, what are we doing here? I saw a TikToker at Pretty Critical say something that's very correct, which is that it's impossible to have fun with fashion, to develop your own sense of style, if you're trying to emulate this idea of, like, the fucking Vanderbilts. How are you going to talk about the concept of quiet luxury and say that's the height of fashion after seeing... Red carpet fashion of people like Thames or Quinta Brunson. Just say you wanna dress preppy and go. It's fine to wanna to dress preppy. That's a whole aesthetic. Just do
1: it. It's totally fine. And I mean, in terms of Sophia Richie, her daddy is Lionel Richie. So maybe that explains why she's not so boring fashion wise and indulges in a label every now and again. But it's not just the idea of the types of people we want to emulate that is based on racism, it's the idea of what it's contradicting against as well. The wealthy of the West perpetuating an idea of what is loud or ostentatious has been a way of othering people of color and their culture since the dawn of time. The YouTube account, Fashioning the Self in Slavery and Freedom, made a video explaining this.
5: The idea of quiet luxury is racist. Stated differently, the trend in minimalist fashion is rooted in exclusion and has racist implications. Quiet luxury is presented as the opposite of the ostentation and excess of plebeians and the nouveau riche. This lack of taste, i.e. discordant colors and over-the-top styling, has been historically associated with black people since the era of slavery. When people valorize stealth wealth, epitomized most recently by the Roe, the costuming in Tar in succession and Gwyneth Paltrow's courtroom outfits, They are repudiating the aesthetic of people who have been denied access to the brands and resources that make this look possible. It's a rejection, even if unconscious, of the aesthetic values of many people of color.
1: And this isn't even touching on the way people of color have been forced to comply with these bullshit ideals of what's wealthy and proper and stylish just in order to be taken seriously or try and obtain the same social capital that
2: other people have that we've been refused. Also, if you need one more piece of evidence, which you shouldn't at this point, one of the main people all up in the quiet luxury tech, is none other than Nikkei of At Specs and Blazers, which if you listened to our last episode, which you should, you might recognize as someone you maybe shouldn't be taking advice from. But also, I just remembered how to count. you That was three points, Indira. Didn't you say you have four? Yeah, the last one is some of your black bags are fucking boring. Go find a print. You know what? that's 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 the end that's the end actually no 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 no. i have one more point the show show is over okay runway couture is art it is not made for selling who in their right
1: mind thinks that of course you're not gonna see Kardashians walking down the runway and be like oh no one's buying that it's not selling it's not for selling it's art it's art
2: Ah, Okay, <laughs> I got Nadira calm down, and that is the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday with an extra special guest who's maybe permanent. Who knows? So definitely subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Icy, underscore pod, which is also where you can your questions like, what is quiet luxury? And you can also always drop us a note at IcyMyAtSlate.com.
1: ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks and Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. See you online
2: or on a depreciating yacht.